Good afternoon, my fellow Sith brothers and sisters, purebloods, cultists, rebel scum on the run, but most importantly, you, my fellow Star Wars fans. I hope everybody has had a week so far. Last weekend was Thanksgiving weekend. Whether you went somewhere, didn't go somewhere, went to eat with family, ate by yourself, I really hope that it was a peaceful day. I know I had a good, good relaxing, what felt like a day off. Um, been playing uh, Lego Star Wars Saga, or Skywalker Saga, sorry. I finally got into where I've unlocked episode three. And Thanksgiving, I had a Star Wars movie marathon where I almost made it through six of the, well, I guess technically 10 movies if you count Rogue One or 11 with Solo. But um, going into the Andor finale the weekend prior, I had rewatched Rogue One. So I did uh, prequels, OG trilogy, and then sequel trilogy, where I am somewhere between uh, somewhere between eight and nine because I started around lunchtime on Thanksgiving. Started with Episode One, and I have to say that and playing uh, the Lego game, playing the prequels where I'm on episode three right now. Uh, it's, I wouldn't say, it, I found myself watching the prequels with a different mindset. And I think it's really, um, it's just reminding myself and just appreciating the prequels for what they are. Um, I think that online, especially Twitter. I don't know what it is, but I just, I try to avoid drama and negativity, you know, whether it's people shitting on the sequels or bitching about the prequels or and or or anything. They're going to be people out there that are never happy or never satisfied. And those are the kind of people that I try to avoid. So I enjoy all the movies, except for Solo. <laughs> so I think each movie, there are parts of it that I may not like, but I'm not going to sit there and shit on the movie or say that the prequels are bad. Definitely not going to say that I, that you know, that the sequels are terrible. So I just, I really enjoyed my movie marathon. Like I said, I made it through almost through all of Return of the Jedi and then I was just I was really tired so I finally turned that off and then picked back up with I remember leaving off episode six and I got all the way six seven and eight Black Friday when I got home from work and um I just, I found myself wanting to watch the sequels or looking forward to watching the sequels. And I also, pretty sure I admitted 
on last week's episode, but I finally got tattoo number 19, the uh, white loth cat in honor of my mother, who will be gone 20 years this coming February. And I think for me, getting ready to turn 38, which is how old she was when she passed, and how when I started this journey three and a half years ago with my tattoos, I always had the intention of getting a tattoo for her, but I wanted to do it my own time in my own way. And I knew the right idea was out there. So this past summer, when I got Imperial Chopper and I rewatched Rebels, the idea for my mom was right there the whole time. And I definitely felt that the white loth cat, instead of the loth wolf, I felt like the white loth cat was the perfect idea. It meshes a lot of things stuff to me together it's kind of a multifaceted tattoo idea because obviously my love of star wars and particularly rebels uh because that is now my third rebels inspired tattoo but i also think you know as well as my love for animals and just the meaning of the loth, the the white loth cat, and the loth wolf, in general in rebels, and it representing Ezra's connection to his home and his parents. And I think when I look at that tattoo, and it's it's really weird because I found myself, you know, I'm usually very vocal about when people ask about them but I haven't really formulated much of a response or really been able to show that tattoo off a whole lot this week and I think for me because it's arguably one of my most important um, just you know people are not going to understand and I would never expect them to but I think for me, what I also appreciated about this entire journey and just trusting the process and that the right idea would present itself in its own time. And I also, next to the white loth cat, I got her initials in Orabesh. So um, I also like the meaning that it's not something that everybody can read either because having it in regular text, it just, it didn't look right. So I like that keeping with theme, I went with Orabesh. So I think now um, when I was at the session and talking with my artist, just trying to figure out what I can put above it, uh, I definitely feel like doing something for the Grand Inquisitor. You know, I, I feel like I've got to have something for him somewhere. Uh, because in March at GalaxyCon, hopefully he would not cancel. But I think it would be really neat to show Rupert Friend, who played the Grand Inquisitor in Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I think it'd be really neat to show him if I found 
the right idea and had that done and healed before March when GalaxyCon rolls through Richmond. So as always, I will keep everybody posted. I'm a very visually driven person when it comes to my tattoos. So we shall see soon enough. Uh, of course, I the ongoing joke is like, oh, yeah, I think I'll, you know, I think it'll be a little bit, you know, because I've done one a month the last three months. You know, I want to be able to get back into going to the gym and having tattoos on my legs and just that one, giving that one enough time to heal before I'm getting another one. It's like, okay, we've been away from the gym for a couple months. So I think for me, just trying to get back into that before the New Year's resolution babies clog the place. I think that's ultimately what I'll do, but you know, it's just taking things for what they are. Maybe I'll rewatch Rebels and find an idea or rewatch uh, where he popped up in Clone Wars. Just world is my oyster. So just as always, you know, the importance of, if anything, just taking care of yourself and self-care is very important. For me, as I hope it is for you. So just please take care of yourself and of each other this holiday season. So without further ado, before I jump into my comic book discussion, I did want to briefly mention that I guess it was announced sometime yesterday or within the last couple of days that Mando season three will premiere on Disney plus March the 1st. So definitely gives me quite a bit of a break to start refocusing on my reading. I think for me, that's another thing that I've found myself kind of taking a break on. And so with this particular comic book review that I'm going to be starting with you guys the Star Wars Old Republic Omnibus the Knights of the Old Republic series I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this prior is one of the if not the largest Old Republic series comics because Knights of the Old Republic is 51 issues 0 to 50 and within it has many little shall we say tangents including one which hopefully at some point after the holiday once I get through Knights of the Old Republic I think going into Vector with you guys will be arguably the next path that I take after this. So without further ado, I'm just going to jump right into discussing Star Wars The Old Republic Omnibus, which covers Knights of the Old Republic 0 through 50. And just to kind of put things into context, which I still have not finished the other part of it, but 
grabbing it out here, which it's been sitting over here for a hot minute. The Omnibus runs roughly $125. It's a behemoth of an Omnibus, if I ever saw one. It collects Star Wars Night of the Republic 1 through 50, or technically 0 through 50. It also has Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic War, issues 1 through 5, Knights of the Old Republic Handbook, and Knights of the Old Republic Rebellion number 0, which I guess 0 was kind of its own issue. Um, but the series was written by John Jackson Miller, illustrated by Brian Ching, Travel Foreman, Dustin Weaver, Harvey Talibau, Crystal Face Celestial, Bong Dazzo, Scott Hepburn, Alan Robertson, Dean Zachary, Ron Chan, and Andrea Moody. And just kind of reading the back of this, it's just, I love this series. It, it seemed very daunting, at least trying to carry this back and forth with me to work. Um, but just to kind of give a broad overview of the Knights of the Old Republic series. Nearly 4,000 years before the names, excuse me, nearly 4,000 years before the name Skywalker was first spoken, another young Jedi must embrace his destiny, but none shall herald Zane Carrick as a savior. When his fellow Padawans are slaughtered, Zane is blamed for their murders, but the truth is far darker. As Zane flees for his life, can he and the ragtag assortment of allies he makes along the way clear his name or expose the real killers? Or will they and the entire galaxy be caught in the escalating war between the Republic and the Mandalorians? Now, I pretty, I'm fairly certain I have gone on record before and just talked about how I cannot say enough about this series. As much of a pain in my ass it was, I really did enjoy the series once it got going. And, of course, had I known that within this series, I was also going to see the beginnings of not only who would eventually become Darth Malak, but also seeing where Revan finds his Mando helmet or his Mando mask. I just, I, looking back on this, I really wish I would have read this first. But I still think in terms of the reading order and reading this after I've pretty much read all of the Old Republic books, with the exception of Annihilation, which I think I've barely breached page 100. Um, I think that reading Revan and, and kind of seeing where his story went and then going back and reading this, I really think in the grand scheme of things, it really makes me appreciate things a lot more and kind of now, things that did not make sense when I was reading Revan and just references to Malik and seeing eventually how he would become who he is. 
I definitely appreciate things a lot more. And so just the reading order and trusting the process and just, you know, Tales of the Jedi, Revan, Deceived, uh, Fatal Alliance, Violation, Knights of the Old Republic, and then reading the other little mini uh, series within there, which the continuation from the Omnibus has the other Old Republic series that is not in the Omnibus. So if you are lucky to find, which it shouldn't be that hard, Star Wars Epic Collection, it is vol- the Old Republic Volume 4. It is. It contains, rather than tracking down all the other trade paperbacks, which are even more of a pain in the ass, the Epic Collection has the other series that are not in the Omnibus. So within the Epic Collection Volume 4, it has the Old Republic, uh, has the first six episodes, excuse me, first six issues, Star Wars The Old Republic Lost Sons 1 through 5, Star Wars Lost Tribe of the Sith Spiral 1 through 5, and material from Star Wars Tales number 17 and Star Wars Visionaries. So this is a continuation of the Omnibus, which at some point when I finally finish that last little series at the end of the Omnibus, I get to um, read this bad boy, which those unnamed six issues at the beginning is actually Thread of Peace. So I am very excited to continue my oh hey that is captain alec or shall we say darth malik oh spoilers um (laughs) but i have said before numerous times and this is the last little point about reading the old republic before i get into it Yes, it is full of ups and downs and many tangents and name dropping from hell and just trying to connect all the pieces. But also, those of you like myself, myself, self, (laughs) stealth, whatever, um, those of you like me who... resonate more with the dark side of the force and consider themselves a Sith at heart. I definitely feel that that's where a lot of the good material is. It's where our, our, it's our origin story, which technically it's the origin story of the Jedi and the Sith. But for me, uh, if you care about your Sith story, This is where it's at. And as much of a pain in the ass it's been, it's been a fruitful one, which maybe at some point when I finish all of it, I really will finally get that XR Kun tattoo that I've been dying to get. But, you know, hey, maybe it'll turn into a Malik one. I have no fucking clue. But I'm sure my next tattoo is proudly waiting for me somewhere deep within these issues that I have yet to finish. So 
Without delaying our review even further, I know we've got roughly a half hour or so left uh, before I have to uh, sign off for the day. The Star Wars, The Old Republic, Knights of the Old Republic, starting with issue zero. Start off on a planet called Taurus. And we meet Zane Carrick, who is a Jedi Padawan, who is tracking a smuggler named Marn Hierogriff. Zane is apparently known for his clumsiness and bumps into another Padawan named Squint after losing track of Marn. Master Quinelia senses something bad has happened and changed the future after Squint leaves. Apparently, Quinelia is a blind Jedi Master who is also known as a seer. She says this in front of Zane's Master. Jedi Master Lucian. We go to the Jedi Knight ceremony later that evening where Zane gets caught up trying to capture Marn instead. He cuffs him to the bike and shows up fashionably late to the ceremony. And what we are getting ready to walk into at this ceremony is ultimately what this entire series hinges off of. So when Zane shows up to this Jedi Knight ceremony fashionably late, he walks into a horrific scene. And it is this group of five or six Jedi Masters standing over their dead Padawans. Zane panics and he flees, with Marn still attached to the bike, who is now, because Zane is fleeing from a crime scene, makes Marn an accessory. APBs for them are put all over the city, pinning the Padawan, Zane, responsible for the slaughter of the Padawans. Zane and Marn end up flying through a school building from a window. Jedi Master Reyna Tay, who is a Twi'lek, questions the students after this happens. They find a Zane and Marn find a small resting spot. Marn wants proof that Zane wasn't in on the incident. Now he's mildly freaking out. The Jedi Order is apparently after him too, so he wants to know what's really going on. Zane tells Marn that he needs to go back to where they trained, or where he trained, for answers and clues as to why this slaughter happened. They travel and escape via the Undercity, where a Zabrak 
Breno stops them. Marn ends up talking to Breno and gets them out of further suspicion a little bit. With the Jedi Masters hot on their trail. Who are already aware that they are in the Undercity. Fight breaks out, yet Bane and Marn are nowhere to be found. Q and Nelia sense this is where they were. Destiny is clouded. Lucian hollows his other Jedi Master, Master Zamar, who I have nicknamed Squid Face. Informs them that they were that there were sightings of them in the refugee camps in Lower City, aka Machineville, and that they now decide to head there. Zane bumps into a female fighter who has a staff or stick weapon similar to what Ray had in the sequels. She's got gray, white hair, gray, white skin with blue markings all over her face and arms. We learn that her name is Jarrell. Marn asks Jarrell to speak to Camper, where she insists that they leave now. This guy, Camper, looks like a homeless guy up refitting old escape pods to shipping containers. The Constable of Terrace and the Jedi Masters after them end up finding them in Lower City. Camper shows up with this junk hauler in the last resort. And they manage to escape into an asteroid belt where there's debris all over, which masks their escape, at least for now. While everyone is asleep on the last resort, Zane hails a Jedi Master by the name of Vandar Toker, who is the same species as Yoda. Located on the planet Dantooine, Vandar apparently was the master his mother, or excuse me, was the master that Zane's mother gave him over to before Zane was paired with Master Lucian. Vandar is just in complete disbelief over Zane's version of what happened at the Jedi Temple. And advises him to turn himself in. Zane's relationship with the Force has always been complicated. He ends up losing transmission with Vandar. Because they're going in and out of the asteroid belt. 
Drell gets upset because Zane flew out of the asteroid belt to hail Vandar, putting the ship in danger. And now they have even more attention on them. Zane manages to piece a few things together. Why are four out of the five masters on Terrace consulars or seers? And Zane determines that they need to go visit the place of where he had his final test for even more answers as to what exactly happened. The location of where Zane had his final test is, sorry, Pandora's apparently decided it wants to suddenly start playing. Quit. Quit. <laughs> sorry. Um, anyways. The rogue moon above Terrace was the place where Zane had his final test to become a Jedi Knight. And the final test was navigating constant meteor bombardment blind. Jarrell joins Zane on the moon. Zane realizes the key to their answers lies within a droid that was with them during the final test, who disappeared and left before all of them returned from their final test. This droid, T1LB, aka LB, realizes that LB did not fall off the cliff that he was thrown due to his size. Apparently, LB saw something he shouldn't have, and that's the reason why the Jedi Masters got rid of LB. Company arrives on the Rogue Moon. Camper and Marn show up to the rescue the last resort they apparently have lb with them camper starts working on him trying to fix him lb shows the hollow of his last hour on the rogue moon shows the jedi masters all there meditating in a circle they start having visions an hour before the Padawans all return from their final test. They're here because this particular place helps them see clearly. Master Tay has a vision of the Terrace Temple and something going wrong. Hard to tell if it's the Mandalorians or the Sith. Master Feln's vision involves Audrin in his robes, his lightsaber, and a demon. 
Master Zamar's vision is on last and the Mandalorians fleeing from them. An unnamed female Jedi Master has a vision of Coruscant and Master Q Anelia dead with Jedi everywhere. Q Anelia also has visions of the Sith returning and everything up in flames. The Sith arrive on Terrace and there's this Dark Lord in red armor with in a suit like the Padawans maybe destroying the entire Jedi Order and these Jedi Masters decide that we can't allow these Padawans to have the ongoing theme with all of them is Convinced that these Jedi Padawans that are on their final test are going to bring down the Jedi Order. So they decide collectively that they obviously have to kill these Padawans. If the hand endangers the limb, strike it off, is Lucian's motto or solution to this. The Masters decide to go back to Terrace. They saw what they need to do, so they decide that they need to take care of the Padawans. LB interrupts them, and Lucin force pushes him off the cliff because he saw and heard everything. On the last resort, Camper's obviously working on LB, getting him back up and running. Will LB wakes and starts going crazy. He starts deleting his own memory, which is not irretrievable, according to Camper. Zane and Co. get caught in a tractor beam. And taken onto a ship named Oroko with... Captain Valius Ying. Marn offers up Zane in order to let the other three of them go and tells Zane he can use his Jedi powers to escape Ying once he gets to the ground. Zane escapes rather quickly and Jarrell goes after him. Jarrell calls Camper Pereiro a lot, which in her native Arcanian language means honored elder. We get a little bit of her backstory and her relationship with Camper. Apparently Camper rescued her years ago. And Zane just starts filling up with guilt and decides that he's going to go turn himself in. 
Captain Ying takes Zane to the Jedi Council and the Masters. And there, also find out that Zane wasn't the only Padawan or the only person fashionably late to this the knighting ceremony. His friend Shad, who was also another Jedi Padawan, apparently Zane was into his sister Shell, was also late to the ceremony. Zane reveals to the Jedi Council that he knows about their vision on the Rogue Moon. Shad showing up late forced their hand because he began to question the council's decision to knight Zane, even though Zane is considered a screw-up. get killed. This apparently has happened before with the Jedi Council in terms of dealing with Exar Kun and how his master was warned before he turned and ended up paying with his own life and caused the Great Sith War. A red suit shows up, turns out to be Jarrell with Zane's lightsaber. And she rescues him. Obviously seeing the red suit. Triggers everybody to start freaking out. Thinking that it's the same red suit from their vision. Lucian warns Zane. That this is the threat from their vision. Warren decides to offer Zane a job. Three weeks later, the Dantooine Council recalls Lucian and co. to Coruscant. There are apparently riots all over the city. The senator is missing, and the constable's family has been captured by rioters. One of the Jedi Masters says they need to stay and help on Terrace. Lucian, unfortunately, is kind of, I guess you could say, the leader of this rogue group and says that it's no longer their problem. The Masters receive a hollow from Zane, saying that all of you have a death mark like me, threatens to hunt them all down. A confessor will clear his name and he will allow that person to live. Remember, if I do end up collapsing the Jedi Order, you started this. And this was specifically said to Lucian. On Van Quo. A refugee is found sneaking around for food. 
at first reading, you think this is Zane's friend, Squint. But it turns out to be Zane with the hood. He tells the workers that he's from Surja looking for food. Master Q and Nelia hollows the workers, warning them that they need to evacuate the planet now that Mandalorians have landed on the other side. The droid LB makes noises and sounds while Jarrell as Q and Nelia on the hollow. Camper found a way to hack their distress channel. Marn ends up confessing this whole plan. That this was the only way he could get LB's help. Tell him his master Lucian. Hold on. Marn confesses the only way he could get LB's help was to tell LB that his master was Zane ends up questioning Marn if this was wise telling LB the truth. Mandalorians incoming end up catching Zane and Co. mid escape. The Mandalorians target Jarrell thinking that she's a Jedi because she's holding on to Zane's lightsaber. One Mandalorian targets the last resort in particular, trying to take their ship. In the meantime, Zane and co. managed to get back on board, minus Jarrell, who was taken. We are introduced... Mandalore, the leader of the Mandalorians. He's talking to his men and he's saying the path to Terrace is clear. Did Roland lead the assault on Vanquo as ordered? his men can't seem to get in touch with Roland so automatically you start wondering if Roland is a defector he mentions a character named Demigal who we will find out more about later we also meet Captain Carath number two Morvis who work for the Republic up thinking that Zane is now a Mandalorian operative because of the direction that he fled. We now finally also meet the man of the hour, Roland Dyer himself, who is a Mandalorian who commandeers the last resort. We get a little bit of his backstory here. He apparently was a shock infantry vet who was a part of the Mando aid. He tells Zane and the crew that he, hold on. He tells Zane and co 
that Jarrell was captured and was taken aboard Flashpoint is an inaccessible research station with only one hour of daylight and that going there is dangerous because it's near a star. Demigal is the top Mandalorian biologist who studies captured Jedi and their talents. Mando's Jarell mistook her for a Jedi because she had a saber in her hand. Oopsie. He apparently began asking questions of his other fellow Mandalorians, like why the Mandos were only targeting the Republic and no one else. I began to wonder about the symbols on the map. Something felt off about this fight. He goes on talking about how how a Mandalore served Ulic Keldroma years ago in the Sith War. The Republic lured into an open, undeclared war little by little. I asked questions they didn't answer. So when they called me up for the next battle, I didn't answer. I kill the enemy, then I run to search for the truth. He apparently was captured six times and sent back to the front line. The incident on Terrace with the Padawans being killed triggers this big collapse in civil order. The Jedi Order obviously disgraced and embarrassed. Businesses left. Gangs went wild and the Jedi left. They were apparently recalled to Coruscant yesterday. And upon hearing this, Mandalore gave attack orders and that Terrace is apparently the key to the entire sector. At Flashpoint, we see a lot of captured Jedi. Some Surja. friend Squint offers himself up to Dr. Demigal to spare Jarrell who apparently can sense or notice that Jarrell is not a Jedi. We see a Coruscant flashback involving Lucian and his mother Lady Krinda Flashing back to present, Lucian visits his home, the Dre Estate, and bumps into 9BD, a droid, who tells him that his mother is not seeing any guests. Lucian talks to Republic Security. He's concerned that they don't have the resources to help find Zane. And how he's sending an associate to monitor progress. 
9BD delivers a message from Lady Krinda. She wouldn't want to see me, I mean us. We get another flashback of Lucian's 30 years prior involving Lucian's mother, Lady Krinda, who apparently was a teacher at one point, involving his butler or assistant, Hazen, talking about how the Sith War took many seers and there are few left who can teach. Four years after a loss, four years after Q Anelia, or I should say Q Anelia is in this flashback. The Jedi High Council on Coruscant to, let's see, while your reports from Onderon and the Duxin Moon are disturbing, you had no excuse to act alone. Rebuilding the ranks, we can't afford this adventurism even if we're supporting it. Involving other Jedi Knights the Padawans on scouting missions are above reproach. Some of them were abducted on Surja before the surprise attack. Refugee witness. Bring them back here with no delay was apparently spoken by a hooded figure. So this hooded figure is apparently talking to Lucian. Bumping into Lucian and co while leaving the Jedi Council. We are unable to oblige you on Terrace. The investigations are enlightening. You see I was right. The truth is written in blood. Unsure which truth you mean. Goodbye to the learners. Wait. Goodbye learners to save. We get another Dre Estate flashback from 25 years ago. Lucian wants to train with his mother's students. He seems struck. Hold on. Stuck training with failed Padawan Hazen. Mira Luca can't see. See farther than you, still my destiny to have sight and second sight is yours alone, like your father. Couldn't see the evil around us. Him, his sister, Master Voto, tells Lucian to leave her. 
Hazen tells Lucian his mother is a great Jedi, carries a lot of great guilt and shame for failing to see the rise of Exar Kun. The Jedi High Council and Master Vandar speaks in front of them. None of these Jedi were eager to have students. Perhaps that was wisdom. Lucian admits guilt for what happened to the Padawans on Terrace. Dark side touched my Padawans and I failed to act, but reject guilt for the events on Terrace that led to the Mandalorian outbreak. Apparently there was an attack on three fronts. This was planned for months. What happened is not our responsibility. It is also not our responsibility for the Republic intelligence failures. And our focus should always be on the Sith. We must find and stop Zane Carrick before he discovers more Sith knowledge and taints other Jedi. So now, Lucian has the Jedi Council convinced that Zane is gone to the dark side. Council, however, do not seem impressed with the results. Now, this group that Lucian employs need to be separated and reassigned. Master Reyna Trey gets upset. Sith Lord could walk right in front of the council and he'd get lectured on neutrality. They get questioned and grilled about why they did not tell the council about their visions on the moon. This blue guy, Jermars, talks about Revenkism. Reclaiming the ground lost in the war is the noblest cause. We have no intention of stopping our mission. Master Reyna has come up with a plan, something that will work, and shows Lucian. You dance with the dark side. We need to keep our hands clean. Has something with a little red machine piece. <coughs> we have another 20 year ago flashback on the Dre estate. Lucian fighting his students. His mother stops it and starts getting upset with Hazen. tells her that Master Tokare has offered to bring Lucian into the order on a probationary trial and how he is a fighter like his father. I have foreseen who will do what must be done. We must make preparations. Hazen eyeballs Lucian 
back to the Dre estate present. Out of my mind to tr- I out of my mind to trust you, Lucian. Called you on Terrace and you never responded. After telling us of your vision, your mission was to bring the Padawans here for evaluation. Lucian defends his actions that they interpreted the situation and acted accordingly, as you always wanted me to do. Apparently, he's speaking to Hazen. Excuse me, speaking to Hazen. Where's my mother? You didn't tell us about Zane's special relationship with the Force, meaning the Jedi didn't know what to do with him. Maybe his teachers failed him. You need to bring Zane back here alive. Apparently, Hazen lived through the Sith War. He has many cybernetic features. Takes off his cloak. He's got a cybernetic leg or cybernetic legs. He has a cybernetic eye, arm. Lucian asks again where his mother is. And is there something you're not telling me? Good, there's something I haven't told you either. Rounding out little bit that we're able to cover we go to flashpoint station a proximity alarm going off a prisoner from Banquo in opening of the magnetic field turns out to be Roland where's Demigal I've got a present for him turns out that it's Zane Squint falls into Jarrell's arms in the bunker Demigal heckles Jarrell, calling her Ossicur. Roland barges in, asks Demigal to take Zane and hurt him now. Squint and Jarrell immediately recognize that it's Zane. Demigal recognizes Roland. Advance the cause by my own means, like you. They leave the room. Jarrell attacks Demigal. And Roland hears a voice calling her name, which spooks her. Squint notices this and asks her what happened. Zane is now apparently wearing Demigal's armor. And that the real Demigal was locked inside a storage closet. Admiral Hieroglyph to the Republic cruiser. Amazing taking out the solar shield generator. So that is, I've got a wrap up for this week because I'm pressing up against the 60 minute mark here. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining me as we begin review of the Knights of Old Republic comic book series. I look forward to hearing feedback from you. Did you enjoy it? Did you, or so far, sounding interestingly enough, it's got a lot of action going on. 
So I want to thank you again for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed. Sorry about that, folks. Apparently, I can only record in 60-minute intervals. I want to thank each and every one of you again for joining me this week as we deep dive into the Knights of Old Republic series. We managed to get through at least four pages of the 47 in my notes. We are, if I'm looking here, trying to see roughly how many issues we got into. Oh, lovely. I didn't start numbering it first in my notes. Well, we at least got four in, so progress enough. We got through quite a few just to kind of recap and reconstruct everything because I know it's a lot going on. We witness Master Lucian and some of the Jedi Masters assassinating a group of ones that Zane Carrick was a part of. Turns out a few survive. Zane gets blamed for the incident and we start meeting a few of I want to say his accomplices because that implies that Zane is in fact guilty which he is not. But we start seeing that there is a lot more at play in kind of the fallout for what happened and with Zane getting involved or not involved. We start seeing also just relationship and the incident on Terrace trickling the Mandalorian attack of Terrace. The Mandalorians meeting Mandalore himself, Dr. Demigol, and this rogue Mandalorian named Roland Dyer, who, of course, will play a big part of Noelle's future as we start seeing her develop and kind of in a way, a beginning of her relationship with Zane down the road, not to give too much away. But again, I wanted to apologize for abruptly ending the first clip and just wanting to thank you guys again for joining me as we begin discussion of Knights of the Old Republic. Without further ado, I want to thank every one of you and thank, of course, my fellow Old Republic compatriots over at the Old Republic podcast. And, of course, my wrestling fam, Diego and DeVore, over at the Diego and DeVore show, as well as my fellow Sith compatriot over at the Rational Rage 
all three have podcasts of their own. The Old Republic podcast, Diego and Divorce Show, and The Rational Rage. Wherever you listen and get your podcast fix, I strongly encourage you to check them out. Thank you to each and every one of you as we begin our holiday dive. Hope you've enjoyed this week. And until next time, of course, my friends, as always, may the force be with you.